All right, today we finished our reading and study through the Gospel of Matthew. Um, we're in the final chapter, chapter 28, and I hope that you are uh, benefiting from this uh, New Testament challenge, and I'm praying that you will press on and continue uh, all the way through the New Testament this school year. But today we were to read Matthew 28, and this is the the climax of the of the whole Gospel of Matthew. The central focus of this brief chapter is on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's think about a couple of noteworthy emphases found here. Uh, one is uh, coming full circle. Coming full circle. As you read through this short chapter, uh, it's just 20 verses, one thing that you might notice is uh, how similar the end of this gospel is to the beginning. Uh, if, if not, here's what I mean by that. If you recall the early chapters of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, the birth of the Lord Jesus was introduced how? By angelic announcement. Angels came and announced. Uh, that's back in chapter 1, verses 20 and 24, and again in chapter 2, verse 13. And um, so angels came and announced his, his birth. And from that time on, there hasn't been another appearance of an angel until now when an angel announces his resurrection just as an angel had his birth. We see that in verses 2 through 8. Another similarity and connection between the birth narratives in the first chapters and the resurrection narrative here at the conclusion is that of people coming to worship the Lord. In the early chapters, it was the wise men who had traveled so far to see the Lord. And there we read that when they saw him with his mother Mary, Matthew 2.11, they fell down and worshipped him. In a similar fashion, after the angel announced uh, the resurrection of the Lord, the risen Lord Jesus appears to the ladies who had come to the tomb, at the sight of which it says in verse 9, chapter 28, verse 9, they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. In addition to this, when the risen Lord later appeared to the eleven disciples, minus Judas now, verse 28, uh, excuse me, chapter 28, verse 7, they worshipped him. So this gospel begins and ends with angels making announcement, uh, announcements for the Lord Jesus and people falling at his feet to worship him. I don't think that's an accident. Everything written in the Bible is for our instruction, Romans 15, 4. And this is, no, uh, no, um, it's, it, this is, this is clearly an example of that. Everything written is for our instruction. This is the mark of uh, one truly born again. A person may come to the Lord feigning repentance and faith merely from an attitude of self-preservation and a desire to avoid an eternity in hell um, and not from a heart of genuine adoration and worship of the Lord himself. But the, the first and proper motive for coming to the Lord is worship of him. When a person comes to the Lord with a heart of genuine adoration and worship, you can be sure that he or she already understands true repentance and true faith. Uh, so above all, let's ask the Lord to give us a heart of true worship and give Him the glory that He is due. Secondly, um, this is akin to what we spent a bit of time thinking about in the previous chapter in Matthew 27. That is the puny efforts of man to hinder the plan of God. You might say the futile 
efforts of man to hinder the plans of God because we just can't do it. <laughs> we spoke uh, a lot about this in the last chapter, how futile it was for the Jewish leaders to, to conspire against Jesus. No matter how sincerely they felt they had the upper hand, the Lord subverted their most evil intentions to serve His most holy and good intentions and purposes. What the Jewish leaders had tried to prevent happened nevertheless and through their own actions. It's not like it, it it's not like God's plans happened um you know despite what they did. No, God actually used what they did to bring about what what he wanted to do. Um that's kind of humiliating. Well, here in the last chapter we see the again the pitiful sight of the frustrated and defeated chief priests and elders trying to maintain control of the situation. Now, I love we mentioned it briefly Yesterday, I love how at the end of chapter 27, they gave, like in verse 66, they gave orders for the guards to, quote, make the tomb of Jesus as secure as you can. Well, I'm sure they did, but apparently it wasn't worth very much because they couldn't keep it very secure. Not only did the Lord Jesus leave the tomb despite their presence, but when they laid eyes on the angel who appeared before them, it says, quote, verse 28, verse 4, for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Yeah, well, man is puny in view of the awesome holiness and power of God. In the end, um, it says the chief priests and elders um, are still bribing people with money in order to save face and influence people. Just golly, how silly and foolish it all looks in comparison to Jesus who says in verse 18, possesses all authority in heaven on earth. (laughs) One day, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess his rightful lordship and authority. Um, so serve the Lord and fear him only. Let him exalt you at the proper time and make a name for you, First Peter 5, 6. The Jewish leaders spun their evil web so furiously. But in the end, they were the ones caught in it. And here's the final word I want to mention in this chapter and that is the final command to make disciples. Make disciples. The last words of the Gospel of Matthew belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we call it the Great Commission. And some see the command as go, but in reality, the one and only command Jesus gives in the Great Commission is make disciples in verse 19. And we do that by going, baptizing, and teaching. Verses 19 to 20. Going... Uh, it says, you know, because it, it says um, in verse 19, go therefore, but it more literally would say as you're going, as you're going, we're going with a willingness to share the gospel of salvation through faith alone in Jesus. And we're baptizing those who look to Jesus in faith through our witness, and we're teaching them to live a faithful and obedient life to the Lord. This, this is our all-consuming command. There is nothing more important, more pressing than this. And so I just ask you, how are you? How am I? I have to ask myself this, but how are you right now seeking to make disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience to this command? I mean, another way that um, Scripture puts it, Jesus put it, is to be fishers of men. How are you being a fisher of men right now? How are you... Uh, seeking to make disciples in obedience to this command. And you might say, well, I'm really not equipped or comfortable 
to do this. Well, part of that feeling is often just a sinful excuse for disobedience. The other part is genuine fear. And Jesus allays that fear in this very passage when he says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Verse 20, Jesus gives us everything we need to obey his command to make disciples. Are we willing? Matthew has has written this whole gospel to highlight what Jesus has done through his life and his death and his resurrection to save his people from their sins. That has been the focus throughout. But it is also very clear in view of the fact that this gospel ends with a call to action, that the work of Jesus for salvation, for the salvation of sinners, is not just a marvel to see, but a message to send. That's in Romans 10, verses 13 through 17. Read that carefully. So let's heed the call, the final words of this Gospel of Matthew, to make disciples. Let's do it.